Is YouTube turning my seventh grader into a socialist? I'll tell you what she said about Obamacare, and you tell me how to set her straight. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And I tell you my libertarian take on the news of the week. There is plenty of stuff going on. I've got my priorities in order, but I do want to cover a few different things. But my top priority is to let you know that this week is the Aflac Cancer Center Carathon, WSB's Carathon, where they raise money for to battle childhood cancer. And it's such a great cause. It starts 5 a.m. on Thursday. I will be on the air uh, with Dave Baker and Krista DiBiaz starting 11 o'clock on Thursday evening, 11 p.m. on Thursday. We're going to do kind of the beginning of the night shift, and it's always lots of fun. Dave kind of teases me a bit, um, so maybe you can come uh, defend me and my good friend Krista. Always, it's always super fun. But what I really like about it is when we get the libertarians listening, they contribute and like sets records for how much people contribute overnight because libertarians know that voluntary contributions are the key to a stable society without a lot of government coercion. So we get into some principles, but really it's just a very, very good cause and a lot of fun. So uh, contribute during the Carathon. Tune in at 11 o'clock on Thursday to hear Dave and Krista and and I do have some fun. And then uh, this week... What I want to talk about on the show today, a few things happened. There's some drama came out of the White House on the uh, press office shakeup. I saw that coming since Inauguration Day. I knew something like this would happen. I've talked about a few of the elements that I think came together this week. But to me, that's the fluff story. I want to talk about that a little bit later. It's fun. It's interesting. But the real – I'm always craving – a discussion of the real policy issues that we're facing right now. And, of course, the biggest one to me is uh, health care, is uh, Obamacare. I myself, I mean, it's there's so many reasons and it's so crystal clear that the federal government has no place in health care. It's unconstitutional. There's so, so many things. It's not necessary. There's no reason states can't handle it. All of that. But this week, the Republicans who now control the House, the Senate, and the White House are uh, failed to repeal Obamacare. It's it's, uh, they have more time to do it, but this was like a major failure uh, to not get it done before the the summer recess. And some I, I read numerous articles of the past few days out of the Wall Street Journal who lay the blame at possibly solely at the feet of Rand Paul, who refused to vote for this Obamacare light or Trump care. He said it doesn't effectively repeal Obamacare and he wouldn't do it. And in this case, I stand with Rand, as they say. I don't always, I think he is a a compromiser and he's been accused of just standing in the way of this because really in Kentucky, they want to keep Obamacare. It's possible. I, I really don't know. Uh, but the reality is 
the voters, Republican voters, wanted a repeal of Obamacare. And the Republicans sent did repeal it or voted to repeal it, sent it to Obama's desk numerous times. And uh, they did that to demonstrate to their voters, their constituents, that they wanted to repeal it. And now, instead of repealing it and build a bridge, like put a fund aside or whatever to get people off Obamacare since they're addicted to it or whatever, already been damaged by it, build a bridge, take it slow, whatever, but just get it out of the federal, uh, the purview of the federal government. But they're not doing that. They are saying it is, it belongs in the federal government and we're going to give you our version of it. And to me, that's totally unacceptable. But <laughs> I was thrown for a loop this week. When I was, I think I was eating breakfast or something, and my daughter was chattering. She's a seventh grader. And uh, she said, you know, Obamacare sounds like a good idea. I, I don't know why people don't like it. <laughs> and I was like, I had just watched Saturday Night Fever. And I, like, had this flash of, of, the, of the mom, the Italian mom, when the older brother tells her he's leaving the priesthood, like what that must look like, like the fork droops, the jaw drops. I'm like, I look at her like, so this is what you're doing to your mother. You're a socialist now. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to do. She's a good kid. And I, and, um, I know I can instruct her, but I was a little taken aback that just being around me isn't enough for her to understand the basics there. And I, uh, and I know she's getting it from YouTube or the electronics that she watches or whatever, because I send her to a really conservative Catholic school that is definitely not promoting Obamacare, if only because it has elements of stealing and killing in it that they would object to just on moral grounds. So, uh, so, so I, and I, I let her use electronics, especially in the summer, whatever. And I set all the filters up, the nanny guard, the YouTube safety, and it screens out all the violence, the vulgarity, the sex, but it doesn't screen out the socialism. There's no like socialism filter, you know, on, <laughs> I can't do that. So I've got this kid who's getting, you know, kind of, and it's just like sitcoms. It's just dumb stuff. That washes over her this emotional uh, uh, feeling about Obamacare. Because when I told her, well, it's not right to take money from some people and give it to others. She's like, oh, they take money from you? I'm like, yes. Or uh, that you can't say no. She's like, oh, they force you to do it? I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know. But I told her that I would address it on the air. I would lay out all the arguments, kind of basic 101, why I object to social to socialized medicine or Obamacare. Maybe we'll make this episode a kind of touchstone if you want to help help me educate the youth. She said, uh, she said, oh, yeah, um, instruct the ignorant. She said, that's a spiritual work of mercy. So this is the stuff she learns at the school, and I like it. I wouldn't go so far as to call her ignorant, but I do, I feel it would be great if we could take this time, like as a community and, uh, and lay out to help instruct the youth or people who just don't even understand the basics of why this is a bad idea and why, uh, it's against our foundational laws. I put up, t I'm going to talk about, so I have my top 10 reasons why I object to Obamacare. And I also have a handful of reasons why I think the Republicans do this on purpose, that they've been um, doing it on purpose since the beginning. 
uh, that they were never going to take health care out of the federal realm once Obamacare was passed, and they could have stopped it, and they didn't. I have a lot of arguments to that effect, but I want your help because I know I'm not going to get them all, and I tend to be a tad theoretical so we can get some practical stuff going. Uh, so give me a call, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Tell me what what we can put on the record for my daughter and people like her who don't see what's so bad about it, uh, about Obamacare or socialized medicine in general. Or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. My trusty producer, Binkley, is here with some tweets for us. Hi, Binkley. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. A little bit wet because of the rain, but pretty good. Well, you're safe and dry inside the studio now. <laughs> so what uh, what what are people what are tweets saying about helping us make this argument against Obamacare? Well, Dupe Dog wants your daughter to know that taxation is theft through coercion. Nothing is free. Everything the government has, it stole from someone else. End of story. Yeah, that's a good point. First of all, I love the meme, taxation is theft. It's just such a funny thing on the internet. Like, you'll be reading a poem, and like, in the end, rose red, violets are blue. Uh, (laughs) Taxation is theft, and inflation is too. (laughs) I just love that stuff. That makes me just an uber nerd, I know. But I do love that stuff. And, uh, And yes, taxation is theft, and there is nothing that's free. It's always just moving stuff around. It's... In this case, in Obamacare's case in particular, uh, I was listening to Cory Booker criticize Trump for the audacity to let Obamacare fail. And he said the thing that he would do that would be the most bad, the worst thing, is that he would not advertise to get young, healthy people to sign up for health care. These are people who would never sign up for health insurance because it's way more expensive than they could ever need, given how little health care they need. So the idea is it's a it's actually a regressive tax in that it takes people younger, healthier people don't tend to have as much money just as a demographic fact than older people who actually pay more for health insurance and have more health problems. So it's a regressive tax that it gets it it gets the the less uh, the people with less income to subsidize the people with more income. So that's one of my uh, that's one of my big problems with it. I, I don't usually care about regressive versus progressive. I mean, taxation is theft, and that's the end of it, and that is the truth here. But we've got lots more items, uh, a lot more things to tick off, and Binkley, why don't you tee up some more tweets for uh, uh, we'll get to some calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, and some more tweets at Monica Perez Show. And, uh, yeah, help me, help me, uh, instruct, uh, my daughter and other young people like her on, uh, why, why liberty is the answer with, uh, healthcare. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. 89 degrees outside the studio, a 6 on the Mellish meter. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And we're talking about uh, the Republicans failed to repeal Obamacare. This was a big week for that. And uh, my daughter, who's in seventh grade, she thinks uh, Obamacare is a good idea. And I could not believe that living with me, she she just thought that and really didn't know anything about 
about uh, the principles at stake or the practicality. So I told her that I would bring it on the air and we together as a community would instruct her and other young people in uh, in in these principles. So give me a call, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to Kelly in Decatur. Hi, Kelly. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just want to let you know that I'm extremely proud and very relieved that your seventh grader daughter even tried to begin to understand the importance of Obamacare and why it's not a good idea and that she felt comfortable to come to you and say, this is what I think, and that you didn't shut her down and that you wanted to talk it out with her. So thanks for being a great mom. Thanks for being a good teacher and and just thank you. Wow. Thanks, Kelly. That is super sweet. I have to say, I do appreciate that she's interested. I got some advice on Twitter that I should uh, use reverse psychology, tell her I love it, and then she'll hate it. But I think she's past that stage. She doesn't do that to me. I think she wants to understand, but I realize that it's actually kind of complicated. You have to start with the basics, and, and it's just, I'm not sure... Kids that age have the attention span for, I'm not sure I have the attention span, you know? Well, you could start start with her, like, I don't know if you do an allowance, but start with her allowance and say, okay, you get $10 a week, and 15% of that is I'm going to take back because that's tax, and that's uh, going to pay yeah. for Obamacare. That's actually a great idea, and... um and you could really demonstrate the injustice with, like, the other kids, you know, taking some from her and giving it to the other kid. That would be pretty funny. I'll have to give some, that some thought. But I do, I really appreciate that, uh, that she thinks that way. And I try to always start with, thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not kill. If I tell them that and I tell them to hold their government up to the same standards as they hold themselves because their governments are their agents, then I think they're going to end up on the right side of the issues. But let's tease this all out. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. It's a man house! A man house! Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6. Want to remind everybody this week is the Carathon, the Affleck Cancer Center WSV Carathon starts 5 a.m. Thursday. It's going to be some fun uh, programming and so valuable. WSV raises so much money for that cancer center, helps the children uh, through voluntary contributions. And I go on with Dave Baker and my good friend Krista DiBiaz at 11 p.m. on Thursday. We have a lot of fun. We do a lot of good. I always count on the Libertarians to really break records on overnight donations uh, because they believe in this kind of voluntary charity. So I appreciate that. I'm going to tell you in advance. I know a lot of you are going to listen. Uh, so I love that. And uh, we are talking about health care, actually, <laughs> but, uh, but not voluntary contributions. We're talking about forced contributions. We're talking about Obamacare. Uh, which failed. Uh, the Republicans did not repeal Obamacare. You can say whatever you want. They, the, every Wall Street Journal article that I read over the past several days, 
I'm not saying everyone that was written, but everyone I read said you can blame the few Republican holdouts for not giving us Trump care, which is what we really want to need. No, it didn't say what we really want to need. It said destroying the good and favor of the perfect, which you're never going to get. And it's not good. It was not good. The federal government should not be in health care. There's no reason for it at all. No reason for it. So I mean, my daughter, though, just uh, just by absorbing the media message came to me the other day and said, I think Obamacare is good, mom. And I was like, okay, <laughs> where to begin? So I am asking you, and I'm getting some great calls and some tweets about how to kind of make this show, which I'm going to podcast next week. You can go to MonicaPerezShow.com for that or PropagandaReportDaily.com for that and our, and the podcast I do with my producer, Binkley. Uh, and, and I'm going to try to make this show a kind of touchstone uh, uh, or a, a primer for why I, the objections I have to socialized medicine. Many of them are moral and principle-based. Some are practical. And I want you, please, to help me. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I've got my top ten why I don't like Obamacare. I'm going to give you a couple. I'll give you two now. I'll take a tweet, and they'll get to your calls. Uh, one I mentioned uh, already, it is redistribution of wealth, and it's regressive. So it takes money from people who have less and... Young people, healthy people don't need health insurance, requires them to buy health insurance or penalizes them if they do not by taking their money. And then uh, and, and in that way, subsidizes older people who do need health insurance, uh, but it would be otherwise more expensive if the healthier people were not in the pool. But also, this is, <clears throat> I don't know if this is like my top reason, but it's an interesting thought. There's this thing called the Hispanic Paradox, where Hispanics from other countries, no matter what country they come in, they're, they're, they tend to have greater obesity, they don't speak English, don't have access to health care, all of these things, yet they tend to live longer than Americans uh, born in this country. And some s- speculate that, that actually ha- being, having too much access to health care or uh, having too much exposure to health propaganda is actually bad for your health. And I and the only reason I bring that up is because I notice when they talk about Obamacare, the successes and all that, to the extent anyone does, they always talk about health insurance coverage. They say, oh, we've got coverage up, coverage up. Never really talks about outcomes. Never talks about longevity. It doesn't talk about those things. And to the extent that maybe being over-medicated, overexposed to radiation and chemicals, perhaps that stuff is not, you know, it's not good to, it's good to have some limits on how much access to that stuff you have. I know that sounds crazy, but uh, my mom's ADH has always been super frugal. And uh, and sometimes I wonder if just not consuming so much is is a key to health in itself i don't know maybe that's a little too uh woo woo but let's hear what you have to say i'm going to start with some tweets uh binkley what uh what are the tweets saying well coach jay doesn't like obamacare because of the taxes because it's an invasion of privacy there's less available care there's less choice and most of all it canceled a perfectly good health insurance plan that him and his son had is this, he did all that in one tweet? He was very efficient. What a guy. Can you just read that one more time? He doesn't like Obamacare because of the taxes, the invasion of privacy, the less available care, the less choice, and because it canceled a perfectly good health insurance plan that him and his son had. 
All right, I'm going to have to take off each one of those over the course of the show. I love the privacy thing, though. One thing that's really unique, in my opinion, truly unique about Obamacare is the only thing I can think of that requires universal registration. Even the selective service, Social Security, you don't, I mean, they do now when you're born give you a Social Security number, but truly you don't get penalized. Every single person in this country simply must register for Obamacare. And uh, and I think that could be the number one reason for it, believe it or not, you know, as far as the government goes. So he's touching on that a little bit. But I keep that tweet handy. We're going to make All sure right. by the end of the show we uh, get to every one of the, those ideas. Uh, I'm going to go to some calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let's, uh, let's do a little rapid fire. I'll give you your chance, but uh, but let's try to get these points out there for the record for my daughter. I'm going to Richard and Ackworth. Uh, hi, Richard. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. I'll just say this real quick and then hang up so I can get your response. But it kind of goes along with what you were just saying. Um, when you have socialized medicine, more people have the ability to, every time they have a pain, go to the doctor and get pain medication. And then we wonder why opioid addiction is, is such a big deal right now. There you go. There's another reason to hate it. Thank you so much. That's very interesting. I will say that uh, the... The whole drug war, I have a lot to say about that. I do not want to get into it right now. But uh, to have a welfare state is like a moral hazard for that stuff. They they subscribe it. They control it. They pay for it. And then they complain that people abuse it. Then <laughs> they take over Afghanistan and make sure the poppy fields are growing. I have pictures of U.S. soldiers guarding poppy fields in Afghanistan. I mean, and that, and this uh, opioid drives people, you know, if the government pulls back on the reins, drives people out into the black markets. And it's just a terrible, terrible situation. But yes, this kind of overregulation and then, uh, and the reality is they pay for these drugs. And if a natural, a natural um, limit on how many how many drug addicts you can have, how much drug abuse you can have, how many drugs a single person can do is the need to go out and work. I mean, you'll just if you stop working, you're not going to be able to eat. Eventually, uh, in a free society, many fewer people can become drug addicts than in a society that has a safety net that doesn't require anything more than. Um, uh, just you know, need or asking for it. It's not truly based on disability or whatever. It it allows you to get yourself into trouble and then um, access this stuff. That's what they call a moral hazard. It sets up a situation where there's a bad result from supposedly a good plan. Anyway, uh, I'm going to John and Cobb. Hi, John. You're on with Monica. Uh, hi. I want to help your daughter uh, understand what's great about Obamacare, if you like. Okay, go for it. And you say you say you don't like theft, and you think taxes are theft, and and so uh, 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 taxes are a bill that you pay for everything you get. You get the military. I'm driving on a road right now, so taxes Let are a bill. A it's not theft. What if I? Why why am I obliged to pay that? Did I agree to pay that, or are you? You're enjoying the benefits. It's because you, yeah, you did agree to pay that when you said the pledge of allegiance. You, you agreed to be so, a citizen. You agreed to be a citizen of the country. Here's and my the country problem. Runs well, because of of the ta- because of the taxes you pay. Don't you feel that the contract? I, I don't know for sure. I, I'm not sure. I agree with this idea that you've consented to be governed. But if I consented, don't you think? 
that consent was to the Constitution, the actual law that defines? Yep, that, that's correct. And the Constitution has representative government. We, we had our representatives who voted to, 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 to give a, to, for us to pay taxes but so we the, could have a military, we could have Supreme roads, we could have a Supreme Court. Very clear. The Supreme Court made it very clear when it defined the Tenth Amendment that the police powers, which include health, was at the state level. Obamacare does That's violate. That's not true. The Thirteenth Amendment of the Constitution allows for the, the an income tax by the federal government. No, I'm talking about Obamacare is not permitted by. Well, well let, let me let me help you understand the the brilliance of your daughter. Uh, you, you said that you don't you don't you don't like uh, theft that you don't like people paying for something that they don't want to pay for. What do you think happens when a twenty? Uh, and do you agree that do you agree that it's a great thing of Obamacare that young people man, there's a mandatory insurance for young people they have no, to buy it by law. No, I think that's bad. You, you don't like that. I do. Right? Not. What do you think is going to happen when some twenty year old falls off their motorcycle with no money and no insurance and no income and is in a coma for? Five years. I actually think that if people get uh, received the consequences of their actions, there would be much less actual injury. Well, you know, so that, like, if if you didn't have that idea that there was a safety net, whether you paid for it or not, you would actually experience the consequences and be more careful in your life. Again, it's a moral hazard. True. That's true. Maybe they'd be more careful, but we're never going to live in a society where we throw our people in the trash when they make a mistake. No, that's true. And, and because people. because so, people would be monitoring it, and it wouldn't be an entitlement, it would be something you asked for because of a mistake you made, you would have uh, charities and volu- voluntary organizations that would provide that. Well, well, what happens, in fact, is that when these young people fall off their motorcycles, or even if it's not their own fault, they have they have a brain tumor, and then they don't have any insurance. I end up paying for it. Yes, I- yes, I will say I I think that it is prudent for people to have ca- catastrophic care insurance, which is not what this is. So, it, and you have separate risk pools. So, every twenty year old in the whole country, if they wanted insurance against catastrophes, it would cost them next to nothing because they would be in a pool with all the other 20-year-olds. That's what insurance does. That's what it's for. But what you don't want is to put 20-year-olds in the same pool as 80-year-olds because then the 20-year-olds are paying for all this stuff that they don't need, which isn't insurance. It's just a wealth redistribution. But in any case, you don't need it at the federal level. If you, There are enough people in every state that if your state wants to swap money around like that, they absolutely could. The problem with the healthcare system to start out with was that it was so highly regulated, the free market didn't operate. But I think our fundamental difference, John, is that you see this system, uh, society as a collective, with the basic unit being society itself, where you, as a society, to decide what's best, can force individuals to do what's best. I, as a... Uh, individualist, I don't think that's the that's morally correct, and I think my system results in better outcomes because the actions, the decisions are are at the individual level, and so are the consequences. Um, but th- this is something you and I will never ever uh, resolve, I'm sure. Thank you so much for calling, John. Uh, Got to take a quick break. Be right back with more calls um, and uh, why you like or don't like Obamacare on a 
basis of principles that we can instruct people who are trying to figure this out. This uh, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. 97 the forecast uh, high today, the actual high today. 75 the forecast low overnight. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shumate Heating and Air. And we're going to keep taking polls on uh, on what you like or don't like about socialized medicine. Obamacare in particular, 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. But just for people who are just tuning in, my daughter is in seventh grade and she uh, doesn't understand what's not uh, to love about Obamacare. So we're going to, for the record... School her. Maybe by the end you'll convince me that she's right. And there is nothing wrong with it. I highly doubt it, but <laughs> let's start. Go into John in Athens. Hi, John. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. I love your show. I wish it was on more often. Thank you. Um, my daughter is 12. She's about to be 13, and she's starting seventh grade this fall. And I had this very conversation with her just uh, a week ago. And the three main points I made to her and the three main questions I asked her were, do you think that it's the government's business to tell private citizens that they have to buy a good or a service from the government, to tell them that they have to? That was number one. Number two is, uh, uh, should the government be taking over such a huge portion of GDP? Uh, that's a lot of of the money that's uh, moved and made in this country, should the government, instead of private business, be the one to handle and deal with all that money? And third, generally, you can think that when there's competition in the free market, that that provides better services and lower prices. I am going to address all those things right after the break. 800-WSB-TALK or tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. We are well immersed in our conversation about Obamacare. And it's funny because for me, that's a subject we have been talking about for years. I, I mean, it is the one I'm an anarcho capitalist. I, I believe that the government has totally betrayed us. It's hopeless to think limited government would work. I wasn't even involved in politics at all, but Obamacare got me off the couch. And I have been uh, suspecting the Republicans would not uh, stop it from the beginning. I have clips. I don't know if I'll get them get to them, but from my shows in 2013 saying they, these guys are setting us up. They could stop it now. They're not going to stop it. They'll never repeal it. Um, the next step is going to be universal health care. So, uh, so this week, I think they kind of, for now anyway, failed to repeal Obamacare. But before I, I get deeper into that, I just want to remind you 
that this week is the Aflac Cancer Center Carathon, WSB Carathon, raising money for that great, great place. It starts 5 a.m. Thursday. It's going to be around the clock. Here on WSB, I'm going to be on with Dave Baker and uh, my good friend Krista DiBiaz at 11 p.m. on Thursday. And we always have a great time. And it's a great cause. And I love to have the Libertarians call and listen. Um, I think we have uh, the best the best um, record for the night shift in the ca- uh, Carathon history. I don't want to go out on a limb there, but that's what I think. So listen to that Thursday at 11 or all day on Thursday and uh, Friday. So my daughter is so inundated by the kind of popular entertainment just in, not in the school she goes to, just on electronics. And she said, I think Obamacare is a good idea. I don't know how anyone could be against it. So that's what we're doing the show on. Teach my daughter. Teach your daughter. Teach the youth. Let's put pen to paper, and make a list of the, the, the reasons, the fundamental principles, or even the practical reasons of why it doesn't work. Um, but I'm even open to why it does work. I had a call before from John who said that he th- I had said taxation is theft because I'm a libertarian, and he said it isn't. We, we have consented to be governed. Uh, my argument against that, though, is that if we consented to be governed, and I'm not sure I have, but if we have... It was to the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. So the government that we have right now, who gave us Obamacare, which is against the Constitution, I don't care what John Roberts says, is against the Tenth Amendment, you cannot have the federal government controlling health, uh, that they are violating the foundational laws uh, of the government we consented to. They are thieves and usurpers. And what, what they're doing here is theft no matter how you slice it. Just before the break, I got another call from another John, kind of gave him short shrift, but but he made some great points about um, teach the kids that it's force. You know, that it's you can think insurance is a good idea, but how about the force? Do you want another point he made was you want the government to control that much of society? And I'll tell you. This is what happens in the countries where they have universal health care, which is where we're headed, which is this is what they call a Trojan horse for it. As Obamacare collapses, the uh, universal health care will take its place. And, of course, they'll blame the people who let, you know, who didn't opt for Trump care, which is federal control of health care, federal mandates, federal um, requirements for health insurance. It's all uh, it's basically the same uh, violation of principle that uh, once the government controls all that, once they control that much of the economy, you're never going to have small government again. Nobody's going to vote for it because more than 50% of the people have a stake in either providing the service or receiving the service. So then you have European style uh, so-called conservatism, which is really just we can run all these social programs more efficiently, and and then and then you do spiral into the morass of poor service, which was John's final point. Competition provides better service at lower prices, and that's just a fact. Look at plastic surgery, look at LASIK, all the medical stuff that is not part of government mandated health, government regulated controlled health, gets better and cheaper all the time. So those are those are a few of the reasons I want to take off all of them. So let's go through it. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I want to take some tweets at Monica Perez Show. Binkley, my producer here, he has some tweets for us. What you got? 
Smoking some tweets? Well, I think it's a great idea. However, not run through any government entity. Yes, insurance is a great idea. I love insurance. I have tons of insurance. If you are in a pool of people who are similarly at risk as you are and who cannot control the outcome, so they they can't screw you over by doing crazy, dangerous things, uh, you want to be in a pool of no scuba divers or no race car drivers, and it's and the price of that is low. And I I would posit that just about all the all the government functions that I object to uh, are are or many of them are just forms of insurance. Like Social Security is really an annuity. Uh, Medicaid uh, or Medicare, whichever one is for old age, is just insurance and. Um, you can, there are private markets for that. And if people can't afford that, that's one thing. Then you go to charity, but very few people cannot afford to live, you know, and take care of their basic needs. That would be, I mean, that would be a situation of kind of mass starvation stuff, which we are just not anywhere near. That's just not a reality of our technology, our advancement in technology feeds everybody. If you can work, you can eat and take care of yourself. So you just have to rethink at the fundamental level, is this something you have to steal from one person and give to another? I would say nothing is ever that. <laughs> you know, that really destabilizes society. But what do you think? I am going to go to Jack in Woodstock. Hi, Jack. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'd like to bring up a perspective I've never heard spoken, at least in the uh... The, the listening that I've done over the years, and that's one from a, myself being a health insurance agent. Um, I got into the field in 2008 and found it to be a, a great career, and Obamacare uh, put an end to it along with thousands of other agents just like me because they cut our, cut our commissions by 75%. More directly to the, uh, the points that have been made, which many have been great and a great discussion, uh, the government has got no business being in my bedroom, and the government has no business being in my pocketbook any more than is absolutely necessary. And they certainly have no business being in my health care. Uh, and, and if you take a look at what the government has done in the past, uh, they don't know how to run anything anyways. So why would we have our health care run by them? Yeah, it's uh, so funny. The more they fail at stuff, the more they create these problems because they all the health problems, all the <laughs> industry pro- are coming yeah. from them. But I love the point that you made, Jack, about it displaced you from your job because if you even even just when they make the problem is if you you have a calling, you have a job, you want to pursue your job. They have no right to stop you to do that or displace it. And one could say, well, go find another job. But they have no right to do that. The, the, the market works. It functions. You were providing a service, and they replaced you. And you can't, uh, you can't do what, what you are trained to do, what you're calling, what you invested in. And, no, and you're right. There's no, no, no compensation to you for that. That's a good point. And, and to another point that you had made about uh, competition, I'm, I'm a capitalist at heart. Um, I really am, and, and I've, I've been around long enough and had my own business long enough that really competition is what breeds good pricing. You've got to have competition. Um, that the, the commissions were cut by the insurance companies, what they paid us. So really, if I wanted to be upset and I took a look at it at, at first blush, I'm going to say, well, the insurance companies have really you know, done me wrong. 
Well, fact of the matter is the insurance company said to do that because they had to start insuring everybody. And I had to start paying for it out of my taxes. They had to start taking all the people that were health risks. And, and, and it sounds cold-hearted, and I'm not cold-hearted. I'm a compassionate man. But the fact of the matter is, should I have to pay for you that sit around the house all day long eating Twinkies and drinking Coke and watching TV and is 300 pounds overweight? Um, I want you to have health insurance. I want you to live a long, healthy life. But should I be responsible for that when you have a heart attack because of your lifestyle? Well, that's the nature of a real, genuine insurance is people in the same risk pool get together and share the risks of their health or lifestyle. And if it's beyond that, if you're forced to cross over and pay too much, that's charity. That's redistribution of wealth. That is not insurance. But I love your point about competition. I have this old mantra, which is very nerdy. Again, my economics uh, nerddom coming through. But that greed drives productivity and competition checks greed. So greed gets people out there making stuff and competition drives the profits down to zero. So you're in this constant state of innovation and, uh, you know, the people who really get rich are the people who innovate tremendously. And then the new movers, the competition comes in and drives down prices. And this is just a cycle that improves the lot of the working guy, of the regular guy, just all day long. So that that even if you aren't a huge innovator, even if you're just a guy who can work for a living, these uh, innovators, the greed, the profit, and then the competition makes so much more accessible to you that you wouldn't other ha- otherwise have. And the basics like health and food and shelter and clothing are pretty much within the reach of everybody. So we don't need to have a massive 300 million person risk pool like Obamacare is. If your state wants it, do it at the state level, for starters. Uh, thank you so much for the call, Jack. I am uh, going to take a quick break, come back at 404-872-0750, 800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. Scattered afternoon storms tomorrow. High forecast of 91. Weekend weather weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And we're talking about Obamacare, and I'm going to your calls, 800-WSB-TALK or 404-872-0750, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to Steve in Auburn. Steve, you are on with Monica. Hi, Steve. I cannot hear you. So I'm going to move on if you don't say hi. Steve, Steve, Steve. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go to Tim. Tim in Stone Mountain, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Um, I have a problem with this concept of if you're just healthy and you maintain, you know, a high deductible policy, the competition and the innovation will drive the price down. I'm one of those people who just, that's just flat out not true. In 2016, Valentine's Day 2016, I was perfectly healthy. Um, I was the lowest possible risk, uh, 48 years old, active, full lifestyle, paid my insurance, everything was fine. I had a high deductible policy on Valentine's Day 2016. I had a heart attack. I paid I had a $10,000 high deductible uh, 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 with the high deductible um, policy. I paid my 10000 My medical bills were over $300,000. At this point, if there were not, if it were not for some sort of governmental regulations, at this point, I could not get insurance again. The insurance company would, if they didn't have to, if there wasn't some mandate, they wouldn't insure me. I would have, I would have capped out my lifetime cap. Would have, would have, would have been 
taken care of, they would not insure me. I have two two things to tell you, Tim. Sorry. I want to get it in because i got to take another break soon. I hate that. Uh, the, the one thing is that health care would be much, much, much less expensive without government involvement. That's just a fact. Even having babies. I found my mother's old records. I'm the youngest of nine, so she had babies in the 50s and 60s. And she, uh, I mean, it was a tenth the price at the most in today's dollars. So it's 10 times as much in real dollars since government got involved in healthcare. And the fact that they limit competition means that there aren't policies that you can get that would offer you, uh, there isn't enough competition, like a cross-border competition or whatever, so that you could have a policy that they can never cancel, that you can get kind of a lifetime. You would be able to get any variety of insurance that you wanted if it weren't so highly regulated. I think this is uh, the government created the problems. 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. And now for something completely different. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6. We are well immersed in our discussion about Obamacare. Republicans failed, refused to repeal Obamacare. They can say whatever they want. A couple of holdouts wouldn't vote for Trump care. They voted to repeal Obamacare something like 60 times when they knew Obama was there to veto it. They did that to convince voters that's what they would do if they were returned to D.C. and if the White House went Republican. They told people they would repeal it. They didn't pass a replacement bill for Obama to veto. They didn't lay out what they had. They didn't all agree to that. They simply repealed it. And that's what they sold to people. And now their answer, I never liked repeal and replace. I never heard heard a voter say, now don't just repeal it, replace it. No, I never heard that. That's all coming from the power elite down to us because they want the power at the top. And this Republican stuff is just federal control of health care. And, uh, and I lay it at all the feet of, of the Republicans who – won't just repeal it, which is like most of them. Uh, so, but my daughter is, uh, really convinced by, I guess, swayed or impressionable, whatever, by just the arguments that kind of float out there in the air that Obamacare is good. But before, so I want to, um, I want to highlight the pros and cons to her or the principles of why I object to socialized medicine. And I want your help. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You could tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Tim called just before the break, uh, and he said he was healthy, had a good policy, had a heart attack, and he's not going to be able to get continuing coverage if he loses that coverage, or maybe he lost it, without Obamacare. And that the cost of health care is so insanely expensive that he simply has to have insurance. And... uh I would. I just tweeted an article about the history of health regulation in this country. Very interesting. Uh, just how the government involvement and regulations drive the prices through the absolute roof. I remember, I don't know if it's in that article, but I remember reading that the American Medical Association was established because doctors weren't making enough money. So they decided to limit 
medical schools, the number of medical schools. I think some of it's in that article that I just tweeted at Monica Perez show. But there are, if you look at other kinds of medicine, cosmetic surgery and LASIK and stuff like that, the quality improves and the price goes down. And and for basic medical care, which is mostly all you need, it's predictable. If we can't earn enough money to take care of our health, then then it's a it's a crisis of humanity, you know. And we are the most technically technologically advanced society in history. I mean, perforce basically because we're we have all past technology and all the technology that we invent every day. The productivity of labor is through the roof. You can do little things and still live in a house with a floor instead of a dirt floor. We have the wealth to take care of basic health needs, and that's mostly what it is. Almost all of it's spent in end-of-life care. That last year, when the quality of life is very low, the costs are very high, and the reason so much money is spent in that spot is that the the decision-maker is disconnected from the payer. So it's not like you're spending your entire grandchildren's inheritance on painful um, processes that may or may not work. It's that you that you opt for those right i understand why uh because they're that you're entitled to them uh it's just a decision that's been taken out of your hands 80 years of tax paying being a part of that system that's what you get for it but most people would not make that decision on their own so it's extremely inefficient and uh and i lay it at the feet of the government to start out with not that it's a problem of the natural market forces and that the government needs to correct that. I disagree with that premise. So after all that, um, let us get to some tweets, calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Binkley, let's have a tweet. All right. Franny tweets, I've read of long waits for simple diagnostic tests and procedures in the U.K. and Canada. Are U.S. citizens ready for that eventuality? That's a good point. The the biggest problem with universal health care is, especially this insurance system, is that you disconnect uh, paying for stuff, and, and it creates over-demand. So people will go to the doctor when they otherwise would not have if it's absolutely free or low price or whatever, and that stresses out the system. At the same time, when you really regulate how much doctors and hospitals and stuff can get paid for these things, you don't get the surge of new doctors, new facilities to repl- to meet that demand. So the consequence is long wait times. And with cancer, for example, any many, many things, those intervening quickly, I know, strokes, heart attacks, the reason that fatality rates have gone down in a lot of those illnesses is very quick intervention, which I don't think... You're going to get excellent point. Thank you. Now, Binkley, I saw a tweet you put out the other day. And since this conversation, maybe just yesterday, this conversation has been revolving around my daughter being influenced more by little um, pot shots that are delivered in otherwise entertainment oriented videos. That's where I think it's coming from. Uh, rather than living with me, as you can imagine, <laughs> even even if it's just that my show is on the radio in the house. You would think that she would uh, not be impressed by those arguments, but you sent something. What was that? It was like the cutest little baby 
probably there was a picture of a little baby and she looks so cute. She looks to be in designer clothes. And was she like a face of, you know, death or something? What was that? Story? Basically, that was a piece of propaganda from the resistance movement designed to short circuit people's thinking, charge up their emotions. It's called the faces of the healthcare fight. And basically what they do is they put a bunch of pictures of sick babies and they make you believe that if Obamacare is repealed, these babies are all going to die. Even people holding signs in the article saying people will die. Yeah, I that I really find that emotionalism disgusting. Like that upsets me. I think it's totally immoral. Yeah. And I, I noticed a tweet from uh, JQ who said that I think, you know, my daughter will hate this because she's considers herself up pro-life feminist so <laughs> so i don't know like look how how you know drilled down her labels get but she she's not gonna want to hear this but jq said girls are more emotional than boys at that age when when people are um you know uh emotionally active they're more impressionable and i feel like it's when you're thought when you're forming these ideas if it's in um an emotional atmosphere those ideas get embedded as well as, if not better, than really intellectual, you know, critical thinking, and uh, and they prey on that. That's my, I mean, I think that's a, the foundation, the cornerstone of propaganda. Absolutely, they don't want people thinking or having reasonable <sighs> conversations. I know. That's when I start getting depressed. That's why you're here. That's why we need you. Oh, that's why I'm here. I appreciate that. <laughs> I do actually like to have that. You gave me a lot of hope, Binkley, not too long ago when I did was experiencing despair because uh, somebody wrote to me and said, are you, you know, you're just, a, are you a puppet? And I was like, oh, my God. Well, I'm not a puppet. You know, I'm not a puppet because I'm not saying what somebody else tells me to say. But uh, uh, he thought maybe I was a relief valve that helps people not worry about this stuff because they think I'm on the job. But you pointed out, and I'm happy to say that, actually, I don't do that. I just make people think and argue and talk. And um, maybe that really is the solution to some of these problems is to keep people thinking rather than just emoting. Challenge them to refute, not just dismiss or uh, get louder. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. All right. Let's uh, thank you so much for that. Let me get to some calls. I am going to Debbie and Marietta. Hi, Debbie. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Um, I just wanted to ask you a question. I am a professional, and I'm a contributing member of society, and I pay my taxes, and I, you know, all those things. I, I provided retirement, and so on and so on. My mother lived with me. When she um, got to be in her late 80s, she developed Alzheimer's. Um, when she developed Alzheimer's, she had to go into a nursing home, and she did not have the resources. Uh, to pay for the nursing home. And I struggled and struggled and finally decided, you know, it was a question of, do I quit my job and stay with her and lose my livelihood? Or do I, how, how do I finance her nursing home care? And we turned to, uh, ultimately to Medicaid. And I bit my nails until I figured out, you know, how to apply and get her approved for Medicaid. She had no assets. Um, so I, that's what I struggle with. There are lots of aging people out there, 
And what do we do with them if we're cutting Medicaid? All right, I'll tell you what I, I how I approach problems like this. I if you take the situation as it is, a situation that was created, I think, intentionally for this purpose, I look at that and say, okay, they, and I've talked about this completely outside the context of healthcare, that I feel like the, especially the counterculture in the 60s, which behind it, if you peel the, the onion on that, you find like the CIA. Um, they brought over psychological research from Russia on how to use music to manipulate people, how to disconnect. One big thing about this uh, cultural upheaval is that they like to disconnect children from parents, that the next generation from the past generation, send them away to college, have a draft, all that kind of stuff. And when and the reason they want to disconnect, even even implementing things like Social Security to allow those disconnections. And then the state, of course, has all the power because there is no community. There is no root. There is no family. But when you when you splinter and war does this college, a lot of things do it when you even even when refugees like you go and blow up a country, bring a bunch of refugees in, that ruins their country, you know, and then they and then they're over here and they don't have the roots. So. In, in, a, in an organic free society, you would have extended family, you would have social support systems, and there would be a lot more checks and balances on your own behavior, what's good for you, um, traditions, culture that keep you inside the group, you're more respectful to each other. I know uh, that that's, um, you know, maybe too deep, it seems too pie in the sky, but even if you just think you said your mother has no assets, that, I mean, if you think about your tax bill, the more money you make, the more taxes you pay. I mean, you can – we pay so much in taxes. My husband and I, we don't have much savings at all, um, but every time he gets a raise, it feels like his tax bracket goes up. And uh, we would have more assets if it weren't for that. We could plan better. If you didn't have hyper demand, the cost would not be so, so, so high. And and now only the super high cost option is what people look to for for Alzheimer's. Many of these diseases, the answer is these high cost things because that's how the system is created. And I know Alzheimer's is difficult. We've had that in our family, and I know you need some like lockdown and facilities like that. But I would say that the problem that our system to the extent even not only the medical system, but uh, cultural, you know, the culture being undermined undermined has intentionally created uh, this dependency on the government. So I would say if we open our eyes to that, we roll it back, not roll it forward. Thank you so much for the call. I got to take a break. 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 85 outside the studio. Skies are overcast. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And I am going to Hal in Athens. Hal, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. I'll give you a real quick thought. If all providers of medical services had a price list so that you could pick and choose what you were going to get and what you needed, you wouldn't overuse your medical services. You start with some simple free market solutions instead of all the complicated um, problems. I love that. I, I'll tell you, my husband had this, I saw, I don't know how I happened to see, they broke out how much it costs. Our, the medical insurance that his company pays for our family is, it was 
it made me sick. It was so insanely, it was definitely five digits. I mean, it was many, many, many thousands of dollars. And I said to him, if they would just give us half of that in cash, I would, I spend less than that. I understand you need catastrophic care. I would have catastrophic care, but just the waste of it just uh, got to me. And he said, you, you can't, I said, just tell him to cancel it and give us half the money. And he said, you can't cancel it. Not after Obamacare, you know? But yeah, free market solutions. I would just out of a sense of conscience, I don't like to waste the care, the cost. Anyway, thank you, Hal. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so yes, the the idea behind Obamacare, I understand. Uh, there are people who need help. I I do, but the moral hazard of. Uh, Making having the governments control this stuff, the inefficiency, uh, the abuse, it causes so much more suffering. It wastes so many resources that could really be used more effectively to relieve more suffering. I, I think th- this got no press, but uh, Jeff Sessions and his gang made the largest, I think, um, medical fraud bust in history of people abusing the system, writing fake prescriptions and uh, and getting reimbursed by the government. I mean, this it, this stuff is so wasteful and harmful, uh, encouraging people. I've seen it myself, encouraging people to get tests that they don't need that actually hurt them. You want to have more control. You don't want somebody in D.C. controlling that stuff, telling you what to do. It's not good. It hasn't worked out, and it's why we're in the position that we're in. I want to talk a little bit about the Scaramucci Spicer thing, so stay tuned. 800 WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez. Please take my hand. Now open your mind to me. Please open your mind. Open your mind. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. We are uh, wading into the Obamacare discussion. The Republicans did not repeal it. They have the Congress, they have the House, they have the Senate, they have the White House. They did not repeal it. They didn't, and I don't think they ever wanted to. I think they let it happen on purpose. I've got reasons behind that. I have uh, a lot of examples of um, things I think point to that conclusion. I want to get into that. I want to uh, point out, talk about something that was just uh, on one of our news breaks about this guy, Scaramucci, becoming the new press secretary. Uh, I don't know if that's his exact... um, Title, but he's in and Sean Spicer is out. And I just want to kind of give you a what to watch out for. I have this Twitter hashtag, hashtag WTWOF, and I put what to watch out for is on there. And they often come true. And I saw a couple of these things kind of coming, and now I think I understand how they're coming together. Spicer on Inauguration Day really... uh set himself up and was jumped on. I just smelled a rat with the with the whole way um his his role 
was launched, and I pegged or called right then that he would be a short timer, that he was some kind of placeholder for somebody else. I don't know what, but he was not going to be there long. And he has gone one of the shortest tenures of a press secretary's history. Now, what people what was not on people's radar was this guy, Scaramucci. And in January, I wrote an article about him saying to watch out for him, that he was assigned the role of, you know, what Valerie Jarrett's title had been, that he was a he's a Davos man, like Davos, Switzerland. He's like a globalist, an elite globalist. Uh, he's just kind of a shady. I think he's a shady character. He's he's a media guy, whatever. But he he made a speech to Davos last time saying, uh, don't fall for the hype. Trump is globalism's last chance because he can uh, use populism to to get the masses back in the fold, basically. I mean, that's how I interpreted his speech. You can look. I tweeted out the article I had written earlier. Um, but now I see Scaramucci is taking this larger role, and I feel like what he's doing is uh, carrying on or launching a dialectic, a uh, problem, crisis, resolution, or thesis, antithesis, synthesis kind of um, operation that I talked about on my April 15th show. You can listen to the podcast of that. It was a good show where I said I thought that this, that there is this emerging schism in the White House. Everybody's talking about it, but I think it's um, – I thought it was a little bit of a setup, but it's the bannon Priebus faction versus the kushner Cohn faction and scaramucci dominating spicer i think is uh a sign that is you know he joins that kushner Cohn, which are they're all democrats and scaramucci was uh an obama supporter if i recall correctly but i think this is just part of the drama that's coming out of the white house it'll probably have a longer term meaning maybe for 2020 the presidential election i don't know uh, I get the feeling that Bannon and Priebus are there to keep the alt-right on, you know, the populist stuff on Trump's side while he embraces all these Goldman guys and uh, cronies and big money. I mean, it's an interesting tension that I think is meant to keep uh, to keep two factions kind of um, in the tent at the same time. We'll see how that unfolds. I'll keep watching it, but I definitely, uh, this guy was on my radar and here he is, but I got to say, there's a couple of funny, do you, Binkley is here. Binkley, do you have the, um, what was, there was one, I have a quote by Scaramucci, but I think you have a quote by Donald Trump. Let me find the Scaramucci. Oh yeah. Here he says, he says he addressed reporters Friday. I was listening to the press conference, like in real time, which I usually don't. And he says, um, he said, he thanked Spicer for doing a, quote, amazing job and added, I love the guy. I hope he goes on to make a tremendous amount of money. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just so crass. So he really comes off as such a, you know, I, I, I want to use a vulgar term because he's a just wise really, guy, a, a wise guy. But no, like not even I'm not even talking about the mafiosa aspect that he makes you feel. It's the it's the jerk thing. It's yeah. the. It's the money is everything, you know, slick Wall Streeter, which I actually think I think that Trump's kind of billionaire thing is overblown. This guy's thing is overblown, too, because when I looked at I used to be an investment banker. And from what I could tell, he was a uh, his highest rank was a vice president in private wealth management, which is a very lucrative and respectable career for a normal person. But, I, I you know, it doesn't indicate any running the country type credentials, if you ask me. It was not it was not a very prestigious 
position at, at Goldman on Wall Street, I'm sure. But he has some funny background. I don't know. I think he's a deep state guy. But what was the uh, Trump tweet? Trump's tweet, it was similar. He, it was, Sean Spicer is a wonderful person who took <laughs> tremendous abuse from the fake news media, but his future is bright. Yes. So I heard that tweet. Like, he, uh, he's a good guy, got you know his butt kicked by the fake media. And I just thought, you know, it's like, this is how I translated that tweet in my mind. I thought, uh, yeah, it's a shame that weak loser got his butt kicked so hard every day that he had to move schools. But I'm sure <laughs> if he goes to a school with, for weak losers, he's going to do great. Yeah. And, you know, so that's, <laughs> we want the best for him. We yeah. want the best. I think that was my Scaramucci voice. I that's gave pretty it good. Trump. Sorry. Trump is from Queens, but he doesn't. He doesn't uh, we're from Brooklyn. I think that's like <laughs> Is that a step below? Uh-oh. If my family's listening, I'm going to get a whole lot of emails like, what do you mean Brooklyn's below Queens? <laughs> Absolutely untrue. Untrue. <laughs> and the Bronx to them is upstate. I mean, you might as well be a lumberjack if you live in the Bronx. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, I just think this whole thing is going to be funny. But I, I do, I do think that the drama is in part just a ratings getting sideshow. But in this case, I feel like the dialectic they're setting up between the alt right populist faction and the rich guy crony Democrat faction is actually going to be more than just a sideshow. I think they're going to use it for political purposes. And I will say it folds into the Obamacare thing because the theatrics that I'm seeing, that I've always been seeing from the Republicans since 2013 at least, uh, to me is just a way to get us to buy in because they have the left, the right, the Republicans, the Democrats, uh, you know, I don't even distinguish between them in in this regard. They have uh, they're really just doing this to get us to believe that the democratic process is working, or that I should say, it's to subvert the actual procedures that are in our laws. The the Supreme Court, the Constitution, they don't care about it. None of them care about it anymore up there. There's powers behind every. You know, most, if not all, of the seats there that even you see it in local elections in Atlanta, like little elections where 100 votes can make a difference, the invested powers in that little community can really make the difference. And they I think they they all this all these shenanigans uh, are meant to get us to accept things that are really violations of the Constitution. I mean, what John Roberts did was wrong in accepting Obamacare. And then you can go one step further and say, if if John Roberts was right and it was a tax, that voided Obamacare on its face because taxes have to start in the House and, that, and Obamacare started in the Senate. So they're subverting our laws. Um, and it, and it just shows the power, the effort they have to take to actually subvert that those pieces of paper our laws are written on actually do have some power. They're a way for us to fight. Uh, and all this all this noise is there is that our politicians way of snowing us. And they are. But I want to I want to explore a little bit about that with the Republicans at the bottom of the hour. Let me take a quick call. I'm going to Mike in Duluth. Hi, Mike. You're on with Monica. Yes, I have two things, and it's a slight diversion from Obamacare. Totally fine. Uh, when are you going to have another off-site radio broadcast like you've done two times in the past at the um, Harps Irish Pub? 
Yes, that is so super duper fun. I kind of feel like if I overdo it, I'm not going to get a good crowd. So let's plan on doing it when I I get completely derailed, completely derailed from the football and basketball. So it's going to be a while after all those seasons are over. I'll ha- I'll initiate my um, good stretch of broadcasting with another Liberty on the Rocks at, at the heart. But if in the meanwhile, maybe we should have an impromptu Liberty on the Rocks where I don't broadcast, but we just all get together for a pint of Guinness. So okay. that work? The, yeah, that, that's fine for me. The second thing, it was already a lead-in on what you were just saying, that you are not necessarily there every Saturday because a bunch of guys show up in Athens and they want to play football, you get bumped for X amount of weeks. What I'm asking people to do is if they like you as much as I like you, call the powers that be at WSB and request that Monica be on Monday through Friday in prime time. That because you are more informative than many of the people that are on the air right now. Mike, I uh, would never take a shot at anybody else, but I really appreciate your confidence in me and that you enjoy it. And I'm I'm happy to give as much or as little as I am asked to give. But I also, do you listen to our podcast, Mike, or do you just like the live stuff? We make podcasts, but there's no calls. I I like everything. It's just that when you talk about things that are going on with the government, you peel off the layers of the onion on things that we never ever hear from the TV uh, people that give out information on what they want to give out, not what the truth is. Thank you so much for that vote of confidence. I have to say my show last week and the week before was this stuff about uh, Ukraine and the backstory of our own Assistant Secretary of State being behind the coup that happened there, um, leaked audio about uh, the protests in the square in Ukraine where snipers shot both policemen and protesters to spark a riot. Really deep, dark stuff. I played it. I did it on my show on WSB. A week later, WSB played it again. This was really hot stuff, what you're talking about, Mike. Yet, when Binkley posted it on our YouTube channels, uh, they demonetized it. He put a title on there that said, Ukraine, uh, Putin didn't destabilize Ukraine, we did, and they, they wouldn't let us, uh, not that you get pennies on that stuff, but <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, isn't that interesting? So uh, I love the opportunity to be on the air. I'm happy for as much or as little, but if you don't get enough, you can check out our podcast. They're really good. Pop, uh, PropagandaReportDaily.com, you can get them all. And uh, I'll, we'll keep talking about this. Maybe I'll expose the Republicans and uh, and in a way that you're not hearing anywhere else after the break. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. Seven. Tomorrow's high, a little bit cooler, 91. Weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. Talking about the basics, socialized medicine. I mean, these kids are getting brainwashed by (laughs) pictures of beautiful little babies. And I don't think they understand that the net value of the government controlling health care is not necessarily healthier babies. 
uh, going to Ann in Atlanta. Hi, Ann. You're on with Monica. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm fine. So um, if it wasn't for Obamacare, I would not be insured. Um, when my husband was alive and he worked for a company, we got insurance from his company, and we paid. And then when he passed away, I found that I had to go out on the open market, and thank God I was able to because I have a pre-existing condition. I am paying $1,000 a month for my care. I'm not excited about that. But my problem is I've gone through three different health insurance companies that go, oh, here's your policy. You can have it. And then before I even get through the first three or four months, they go, by the way, we're not going to be in the state of Georgia next year. And so Because of Obamacare? Yeah, I think that, and I think if it was private health care, would they be able to keep pulling out of the state like they do? Well, they didn't, though. When it was private, actually, they didn't, and there were rules, and there I think there still are, of of selling insurance across borders. So it limits competition. You're really stuck with very few choices because of the government regulation. Well, but then, but then before we went to Obamacare, though, if I had a precondition a pre-existing condition, they would have said, we don't want to take you on, even if you're willing to pay this amount of money. So there's got to be a happy medium between Well, here, I would back up. The way they set it up, I hope I have time to get this out. Housing, education, and health care are all subsidized by the government. Mortgages are tax deductible, school loans are subsidized, and health insurance is deductible at the employment level. Those are all financial products. It's not health care. It's not tuition. It's not rent. It's the financial price. It's a total subsidy for financial products, It and it distorts the market so that people get their health care from employers and and uh, employers use that as a benefit. There, in my opinion, there's no reason for any of that. If you took it out of uh, you having to belong to an institution in order to get health care and uh, health insurance, because the fact is by promoting health insurance that way, you drive up the price of actual health care. So in a free society that didn't have the government manipulating, uh, subsidizing, encouraging or forcing people to buy insurance to kind of overinsure, you would have a very different product. I mean, maybe you would have a cradle to grave health insurance, life insurance policy they could never kick you off of as long as you pay a monthly fee. You pay taxes, you pay taxes your entire working life. You know, it would be a lot cheaper if it was efficient, private, and competitive. But you have to realize that we're we're looking at this in a snapshot. We need to take a step back. 800-WSB-TALK. Tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. It got me excited because this would truly be both an adventure and a learning experience. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6. So we are sadly in the home stretch because I'm only on page 5 of my 9 pages of things I don't like about Obamacare. <laughs> so, um, but one thing I absolutely have to get to. I had some clips. They're good. Uh, but the calls I have waiting, Jason, John, James, look better than my clips. So you guys hang on. I'm going to get to you. I think I might do the clips. Um, Binkley and I will do a podcast later in the week, try to get to those. If you look for our podcast, it's this show and a, and a kind of just internet show we do. 
which you can find all the episodes on PropagandaReportDaily.com. Don't forget the Carathon, Aflac Cancer Center. Carathon is this week. WSB raises a lot of money for the Cancer Center and has fun doing it. It's so touching, so moving. I uh, love it. Starts 5 o'clock Thursday morning, but I'm going to be on with Dave Baker and Krista DiBiaz at 11 o'clock Thursday night, and I think that it's a very good listening. So you're going to have to write a check <laughs> probably, but um, but it's worth it. We'll try to make it worth your while. So tune in for that. But one thing I want to do before I get to those calls is uh, I wanted to talk about um, – I just wanted to tick off because it's important to get it out there. The reasons I the, – the indications that I have that the Republicans want this and have always wanted it. They want universal health care. They want health care at the federal level. So I'm going to tick off my reasons. Let me get a tweet from you, Binkley. What you got? Dean tweets that no one should be forced into a financial contract with a business. That's true. I mean, I, how Republicans can uh, can stand behind that, I don't know. But this is these are the things uh, that I'm is going to take off in September 2013. I have a a podcast on MonicaPereshow.com called Obamacare is a hot mess, but it's September 2013, and it was before it was implemented. Ted Cruz did this like fake filibuster thing. Um, I think it was like showmanship on his part. I think he knew it was going to fail, and I'm not sure he was genuine about it. I hate to throw him under the bus, but at the time, I totally believed he was doing it genuinely. But then and now, it w- I believe it would have worked if Republicans stood behind it, and it was not a big deal, that in order to get the budget passed, they needed to be able to vote on the budget Harry Reid, who was the head of the Senate at the time, needed 60 votes, and he didn't have them just as Democrats. So the Republicans, if they did not vote on what's called cloture to um, get on with an actual vote on the budget and stop discussion, if the, if the Republicans didn't vote for it, it wouldn't have gone to a vote. And they could have just m- kicked that can on Obamacare, even if it meant budget continuing a resolution, shut down the government. I don't care. I knew, and I said it on the air at the time, if they don't get rid of this, if they don't keep this thing from being implemented, you'll never get rid of it. And if they implement it and it fails and it's meant to, you're going to have single payer. And I think that's the track we're on. And I did read a couple of articles throwing Rand Paul under the bus, throwing Trump under the bus, their attitude towards Trump care or Obamacare, whatever. If they let Obamacare fail, uh, it'll be their fault. What happens next? Not true. It's been in the cards all along that Democrats wanted to go to total government-run health care, and these Republicans are playing right into it. They wanted to win elections uh, on the Obamacare issue, but they like that on the top. A couple of reasons, I think so. First of all, John Roberts was a Republican appointee, the Supreme Court justice who wrongly deemed this constitutional wrong. Um, But the real issue, once he said it was a tax, John Roberts, the real issue was that if it's a tax, it had to originate in in the House and it originated in the Senate. So it was unconstitutional on its face at that point. He should have thrown it out right then and there. He did not. And no Republican challenged it. Uh, The Heritage uh, Foundation, what's it called? Um, Heritage dot (laughs) org. I forget the full name of it. They... uh, when Clinton was coming out with uh, universal health care, they promoted this thing, which is mandatory health insurance. Romney implemented it in Massachusetts, and he was the ones one they put up 
as the Republican presidential candidate. In a one-issue election, they put up the only Republican who did not have the moral high ground on Obamacare. And I heard Dick Morris and other people in Iowa when Ron Paul was, was really running away with the primary, Dick Morris said, a vote for Ron Paul is a vote for Obama. And in reality, a vote for Romney was a vote for Obamacare, no matter which one went won. Uh, just... I'm not going to go through all of the points I have, but but a very telling thing is an article I wrote uh, as a review of a book by Irving Kristol. I've talked about it before. It's called Neoconservatism, the Autobiography of an Idea. Of an idea. He says, I'll just read one of the quotes. He says, the basic, he, he's in favor of a conservative welfare state, and he says that the elite ruling class has an obligation to mold and shape the opinions of the people who know they don't know anything. That's almost a direct quote. This is a direct quote. He says, the basic principle behind a conservative welfare state ought to be a simple one. Wherever possible, people should be allowed to keep their own money. Sounds good. Rather than have it transferred via taxes to the state. Sounds good. On condition that they put it to certain defined uses. So you can keep your own money as long as you're forced to buy insurance. And then in another place, he says... Uh, the great society should have included some form of national health insurance. That was his big thing. So this is Irving Kristol, the father of the neoconservative movement, the guy who wrote the blueprint. That book is the blueprint for today's Republican Party. And, uh, and you, I mean, it's all over their, uh, their real philosophy. Even read the Wall Street Journal this week, Martin Feldstein. Uh, all these people wrote how to make Trump care work. And and for me, uh, that's a tell. Just repeal it. Repeal it. Set aside a bridge. It'll cost less. Just anybody who's been affected by Obamacare, set aside a bridge until you can return health care to the states, even Medicare and Medicaid. Why can't the states organize their own millions of people within their borders? No reason. That's what the Tenth Amendment requires. That's what they should do. So thank you for listening to that. Uh, it should have taken an hour. It took five minutes. I am going to go to Jason and Marietta. Hi, Jason. You're on with Monica. Hey, yeah. Um, I think the, the key number one most important thing to remember uh, about all of this is that uh, government lies. They lie to us and tell us anything they need to tell us to get whatever they want to do done. Uh, you had a caller a couple of hours ago uh, mention the income tax. All right, well, this, that's the 16th Amendment. They passed the 16th Amendment predicated on three lies. One, uh, it's a tiny tax. Two, only the wealthiest will have will ever pay it. And three, as soon as the war is over, it'll go away. We're going to write it back out of the Constitution. Well, now it's not a tiny tax. Uh, now uh, everybody but the poorest Americans pay it. And the war was over a hundred years ago. All right. right. Obamacare was predicated on a lie. All right. I mean, if, if you were hiring somebody to do a job, how many times would you let your contractor lie to you before you fired? It? Yeah, that's such a great point. Because, and that's what I was trying I mean, to say we, earlier. We've got to figure out how to start taking power away from the federal government yes. and transferring it back to the state. Here's the thing and, is is that we have a conflict of interest with the government. So we think of government as an extension of ourselves, but in reality no, they they are against itself. us. Say it again. It's an entity all to itself. Government right. does what government needs to make sure that government lives. 
And the only legitimizing or legitimating uh, uh, premise on which it exists is to serve us as actually as an extension of our right to self-defense. We are bound together because we say defensively, at least the American experiment was based on that. The, the federal government, I like the Articles of Confederation, which did not allow taxation at yeah. all uh, at yeah, the federal it, level. So uh, I'm with you. I think um, that our government, even if you consent to be governed, no one if you if you acknowledge that the Constitution, the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence are the foundational laws of this country, the things that garnered our consent to be governed, then our government is totally illegitimate at this point because it steals our money, kills in our name and violates that foundational law every single day. And uh, and that's why this is not uh, it's not a legitimate government and and it needs to be dismantled. (laughs) It's certainly shrunk. Thank you, Jason. I'm going to John, John in Buford. Hi, John. You're on with Monica. Uh, Good afternoon, Monica. And thank you for having me on your show. Thanks for calling. What Uh, you got? uh, I I have a daughter uh, and like any teenager, she was the Bernie Give me, give me for free everything. Free college. And no, she, she, this is, she's right before college. She's going into uh, her senior year this year. And she couldn't figure out why, when she did her calculations for her summertime job, she couldn't figure out why her paycheck was less than what she figured. <laughs> and I had to go, I know it's funny. It's and great. I had to show her, hey, look, nothing's free. And we went through the gamut and, and her eyes just got, you know, as wide as pancakes. And yeah, because she was up, probably used to dealing with you. So you're like, I'll give you $5 to wash the car. And you gave her $5 to wash the car. You didn't get her to do it and say, oh, I'm going to keep it for, uh, yeah. you know, the air conditioner I'm using in my room. Exactly. But in a second point, the, the answer to the socialized medicine is two words, uh, socialized and power. And that's all. That's that's it. That's that's the only reason why we have it. Yeah, and and it's actually I I I am so cynical at this point that I believe it's a subsidy to a really um, dysfunctional healthcare system that doesn't really. You know, the, the correlation between having health insurance and having health, I would say, might actually even be inverse. Like, I. I don't know. I mean, it's a simplified example, but my grandmother was 95 and hadn't seen a doctor since he came to deliver her last baby uh, 60 years prior to that. And I asked my doctor, like, what's the one thing I could do to prevent cancer? And she said, choose your genes wisely. I was like, okay, (laughs) so why do I pay? I think it's something like $12,000 a year (laughs) insurance for my family. I don't know. Socialized does not belong in this country. I know we have a lot of programs that are socialized, but it doesn't belong here. And And you know what? If you want to live in a socialist country, there are a lot to choose from. And if you want to live in a socialist state, there there are many states that absolutely have and would have uh, programs that are even bigger than this, that that, uh, move to California. There's a lot of room there, (laughs) you know. It's just the whole beauty of the experiment. The American experiment was that you could vote with your feet. You could move out. And and every state is robust enough 
to support whatever policies it, it can support, you know, and if it doesn't, if it collapses, well, there's your lesson. You don't go to another state and say, we need to steal some of your money because we can't live within our means. And that's the only reason to bring it up to the federal level. There's no economy of scale. Anyway, James, hang on. I'm going to get you right after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Showers and storms likely. High 88 is forecast for Monday as the work week begins, but that could change. So stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. I am giving James and Canton the last word. James, what you got? Hey, Monica, thanks. Hey, um, I just wanted to, to comment that I think uh, it's quite a shame that now that we have a president that's a Republican, um, conservative focus, uh, the conservatives or the Republicans own both houses, um, you know, Congress, and is that and, and something that was talked about openly about eight to ten years ago when we started this whole health care debate about what really needs reform. Uh, that these two things aren't even being mentioned, or, and they're off the table. And the first is tort reform, and the second is loser-pay system. Um, and it, it seems to be that people have forgotten that the real problem with health care is that 70% of the cost is liability insurance, and the lawyers have essentially you know, commandeered the system uh, and made the, the health care unaffordable for a lot of people and not accessible. And that's really what should be uh, at the forefront of the health care reform discussion. And it's not even on the table. And that's, I think a, that's, that's a, a great shame. point. At that time, uh, a good friend of mine was a doctor and she just mentioned to me, and I'll never forget, she said the three things that really just cripple the health care system are Right, that liability insurance that the doctors have to pay, uh, the the fact that they are, there isn't cross-border competition for health insurers so that there's competition and you can get whatever you want. And also she mentioned end-of-life care. She said that there's just the cost, almost all the health costs are end-of-life care, which opens the door to how much value are you really getting from health care if – if you're mostly healthy most of the time, um, then then insurance should actually be pretty cheap. Just pay for your doctor's visits and pay for some catastrophic insurance. I did want to point out that uh, Rand Paul, in his defense, people were criticizing him. He did. He said that Trump care or this latest thing actually codified some of the things the Democrats couldn't get into Obamacare that solved some of the problems and it'll keep it going. So don't give him too short a shrift until you look into it a little bit more. We continue this conversation all week long on Facebook, Twitter at Monica Perez show. You can check out my podcast with Binkley at, uh, sorry, propaganda report daily.com. And, uh, we will be back next Saturday from three to six and I'll be doing the uh, Carathon Thursday at 11 p.m. So lots of good stuff. Talk to you next week.